Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to talk about worship this morning. I just want to say I've been in this church for 15 years, and it's an amazing church. There's an amazing group of people here. But I don't think we have often stepped out into true corporate worship, into the true depths of what worship really is. And that's not a chastisement. That's not a rebuke in any way. That is an encouragement in that, let me start this way. On Tuesday, I believe, is the 41st anniversary of our church, right? We're about to be another year older, right? Praise God, 41 years. I think it's time we step into something new when it comes to worship. Something deeper, something real, something true, something hungry, like we haven't seen before. I think we've tasted it in places. I know we've tasted it in places. I've seen it. And I have observed other members of the body of Christ in other places taking a much bigger slice of worship. Can I say it that way? People are digging in deeper than we are, and that shouldn't, that shouldn't be. I'm Praise God for them, but we should be digging in deeper and getting a hold of what true worship really is. And that's not... Um, it's making worship a way of life. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. Let me follow my notes because that will keep it a little bit straighter. Terry, Terry, hey, Terry, thanks for being here. No, but for real, y'all don't understand how important Terry is. I'll take a minute to say that there have been a hundred times when I have decided, oh, you know what? The songs that we're doing aren't the songs the Holy Ghost is leading me to do. And I'm going to just throw it out on the fly, on the spot. I can turn around and say to the band, I can say to them, hey, we're not doing that song. We're going to do this song. We'll hit the first chord and Terry will bring up the song. That's commitment and excellence and an anointing to do that. And vital when people are in the right spot. Thank you very much, Terry. And we will relieve you sometimes. We'll, We'll get people there, but you are anointed to be there. Yeah, I'll say it again. Terry, you are anointed to be there. Yes. Okay, let me say this. There are times when Terry has to go home, which is not in this state. If you talk to her for five seconds, you know that. And we support her when she has to be. And somebody fills the spot. But it's just like Nancy or Margaret. Just because we have a piano player and a chord player, Margaret didn't come to relieve Nancy. Nancy is anointed for the piano, and Margaret is anointed for the chord. Terry is truly anointed. Chris sometimes fills in for her. She's anointed to do what she's doing. So it's great to have a person trained that in the crunch... But as Matt said, she is truly anointed to to be where she is. And we are so thankful. (laughs) No. But we also raise up other people into positions. Mike is anointed to play guitar. But having someone else... Another one on the way. Yes, another one is on the way. If you've got hunger in your heart, you start pursuing excellence. It's amazing what happens when you take the brakes off and don't hinder God, allowing him to use you in ways you never asked or imagined because they're there. If the Filbert girls didn't step out and write a song, they've written two songs that we regularly do in worship. 
they're anointed to do those songs. If they didn't come out and produce those songs, we don't have that anointing. We miss out on it, but they did, and it's happening. And continue to do it, both of you, because there's an anointing together with you. Individually, you are anointed. Together making those songs, it is um, corporate worship, really. Praise God. All right, none of that's in the notes. What is in the notes is Philippians 3.3. 3. I didn't give Terry any of these, so she's going to prove her anointing this morning. It says, for we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit. This is Paul talking to the Gentiles, talking to the Philippians, saying that we are the circumcision. He's redefining the difference, like the middle wall of partition that we've been talking about is down. We're circumcised in our hearts. We are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. That's our foundational scripture for this morning. I want to start with what is worship. In the Old Covenant, and it's first mentioned in Genesis 18-2, when Abram saw the angels coming, he saw the Lord and two angels coming to meet him. He was, this is right before the, the angels went off into um, Sodom and Gomorrah and fixed the situation. When Abram saw the Lord and the two angels coming to his tent, Abram ran to them and worshipped them, worshipped the Lord. Worship there, uh, the word is sakah, I believe is how you would say that. It literally just means to bow down, to crouch, to stoop. That's basically the whole, the whole word of worship in the Old, Old Testament. It doesn't say sing. It doesn't say make music. It doesn't say any of that. It's literally as you would worship a king. You bow down, you acquiesce, you um, make yourself lower. So in the New Covenant, there's several words used and Really, there aren't, Paul doesn't mention it a whole bunch, but when he does, it is 1 Corinthians 14, 25, which says, And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. That verse is in the middle of when the, someone who walks into a congregation and, he hear, and he's not a member of the body, he's not a Christian, he walks in and he sees everyone prophesying. When he sees encouraging words straight from God, that's when he falls, falls down worshiping God. And again, falling down on his knees is worship. And then again, in Ephesians 3.14, it's the same word translated worship other places, but it says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's another word that is to serve, to minister to, uh, a couple other words here. John four twenty four. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in the spirit and in truth. That word is more of a acts of worship, not necessarily bowing down isn't necessarily implied there. That's just a foundation. We're going to get into deeper things here. Worship really isn't singing or playing music. However, worship through singing and playing music is all throughout the word. That's why we do it. That's, that's why that tradition was passed down to us. What we're doing is when you do, I can worship God at home on my own. If I did the same thing I would do at home here, and you do the same thing you do at home here, it can conflict. If what's in my heart is to sing this song, or what's in my heart is to pray loudly, or you know, jump up and down, run around. If we're not in some sort of unity here, it, it can become chaos, of course. Music is a way of 
creating unity. It's, it's bringing us into actual unification because we're following the chord progressions. We're following the words. We're saying all the same things together. That doesn't make it worship. You can say all you want to say about God. You can say all the right lyrics that are on the screen. You can sing with all passion that you have. You can play your instrument with all the passion that you have. If it's coming from the outside in, if you're just performing, that's not worship. That has nothing to do with worship at all. It's no different than singing some secular song. It's fun to sing, but it has to come from the inside out. I think that more than anything else that we're doing this year, what we're receiving this year from our pastors, what we're receiving this year as we get a hold of the Pauline Revelation, it's found there in Philippians 3, three where it says, we have no confidence in the flesh. Nothing, literally nothing on the outside matters. When it comes down to it, we know no man after the flesh, and we put no confidence in the flesh. So anything of the flesh doesn't impact what true worship is one way or the other. It doesn't connect. So me dressing in a suit and a bow tie and looking the part, if I rely on any of this, any of it, at all, if I think this makes me better than anything else, I'm absolutely wrong and I'm not in any kind of worship. Likewise, if I wear ripped jeans and a ratty t-shirt and I say, well, this is what worship is because I'm free, that's the same thing. It's wearing a different uniform. You're just putting outside in. The real worship has to be from the heart. It has to be from the heart. And so, I want to honor God. I want to honor our pastors. I want to honor you by dressing well. But I know that dressing well isn't going to be worship. I have to do that from the inside. You have to do it heart to heart, spirit to spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.10. I'll do 10 through 12, Terry. And 16, so might as well bring up the whole thing. We'll start here in verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And if you jump down to verse 16, interesting verse here, where it says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. That word instruct may have had a different meaning in 1611 when the King James was written. If I read this in my modern understanding, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, sounds like, well, I'm going to teach God what to do. That's not what the word means at all. The word there uh, is symbibazo, which means to unite or knit together in affection. And to unite with one another in a conclusion or come to the same opinion. It's not instruct, but it is coming together as though you're on the same team, though you, you have the same, you're partners. Who can do that? Who can be partnered with God? And then says, we have the mind of Christ, and we have been given, the, the Spirit of God has been given to us. We've received the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of the world. So we have the Holy Ghost, we have Jesus, we have all of that, that we're knit together. That's what we're going to have to do to worship heart to heart. 
the only way to know his heart is to have intimacy with him. So it is easy to go to church for your entire life and never get to intimacy. Even in this church, it's a lot harder here than some places, but even in this church, you can be friends with God. You can, you can be his acquaintance. You can be friends. You can be best friends. But the intimacy where you're totally open to him, where you're not holding back any of the things that you have, you're not holding back any of the stuff that's inside you from him. You're not trying to present some religious act when you're by yourself. The children of Israel had the law, and they had the ability, and though they were chastised because they weren't circumcised in their hearts, they had the ability, if you followed all the rules, if you followed all 600 whatever laws, and you did everything right, you got that righteousness that was by the law. We don't have, we don't have any rules. We don't have anything we can rely on. Ours has to be something entirely different. It has to be heart-to-heart. It has to be intimacy with him to know his heart. And you cannot forge an intimate relationship overnight. You cannot forge an intimate relationship with anyone, much less with God, by spending half an hour a week in worship here. And you can't have intimacy with God. You don't get intimacy with God by listening to the minister speak, whoever's ministering. That's not intimacy. That can be receiving information. That can be receiving revelation during that as well. You can. But the intimacy has to be forged at home. It has to be, I'm going to get to the conclusion. I'll go ahead and say it now. That worship of God, intimacy with God is not a hat you put on and take off. It is a all the time, every minute of every day, never off the clock. You're always being in that relationship of intimacy with God. It, it's a permanent fixed place. And when we get to that permanent fixed place of worship, there's a song, an old hymn, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Is that? Yeah. Thank you, Mavis. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. When you reach that place of intimacy in worship, you're going to find, and many of you no doubt have already found it, and I'm speaking to anyone who needs this, and I did. When you reach that place of true intimacy, you don't care about anything in the world. I don't mean you don't care about people. I don't mean you don't care about events. I don't mean you don't care about the direction of the country, the direction of the nation. What I mean is you don't you don't care about going to the movies. You don't care about seeing some concert. You don't care about hanging out with friends in a just-get-together sort of way. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do any of those things, but they become, <laughs> they become worth less more and more all the time. They become less and less as you press in, it's a wonderful freedom. The deeper and deeper you press into the things of God, the, the deeper and deeper and the closer and the closer you walk with him, everything else is dim. I don't think Seth's here this morning. No. When Seth and I started hanging out, and I do want to talk about him in a minute, so since he's not here, I can say whatever I want. I knew there was something there that God wanted us to have as a relationship. We didn't have a ton of things in common. 
in the things that matter and the spiritual things, absolutely. And the natural things, there are, there are quite a few things we kind of agree on. I was trying to find a way to make that connection by the Holy Ghost. And we started a YouTube channel that was reviewing movies. It was a way to start connecting. And you only see Seth and me on a camera, but Jake is every bit a part of that as, as the two of us are. He's always there behind the screens, the scenes we're always discussing. We started off with natural things. And the closer we got and the closer we got towards the things of God, it didn't matter anymore. At the time when we were reviewing movies, I had to watch movies all the time. I don't want to anymore. I mean, I think I've seen one or two this year, maybe, maybe a little more than that. I don't know. But it doesn't matter anymore. As you press in, the things you thought mattered don't really matter. As you get into the deeper things of God, the things of the world don't matter at all. They really don't. And it's freedom from those things. It's, it's living. The world is always down here. We are way up here seated in heavenly places in Christ. So the <laughs> a little bit at a time. It's not, it's not overnight. It's line upon line. A little bit at a time, let go of the things and press in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It doesn't happen instantly, but it continues to happen. You have to spend time with God. You have to spend time with God, not just here, in word and in prayer if you are actually going to know him. So Collier said it powerfully a few weeks ago that the word and prayer and the Holy Ghost have to be combined. It really comes down to have to be combined. Because if you are just praying, you don't have the foundation of the word with you. You don't separate them. Don't, don't separate the word and prayer. I, I think that's what it's coming down to. If you press in with the word and praying in the Holy Ghost, he can reveal that part of the word to you. You meditate on the word that you've learned. You meditate on the word that's there, that you've taken in. And as you're meditating and praying it out, he's revealing things to you you never knew were in that word. I, that's how I got the word instruct here. I knew I'm reading that for who hath known the mind of the Christ that he may instruct him. As soon as I read that this time, something, I was like, wait, I just always accepted instruct. But something in my spirit was saying, that's not right. It was by praying it out beforehand that it said, there's something not right in that. And so when I looked it up, I was like, oh, it's, more, it's way more than instruction. It's a connection. Who has the ability to be knit together, united with God? We do because we have the mind of Christ. Sometimes it's good to turn, turn a verse around and say, you're not doing the negative of the verse, but you, you change the negative to the positive, so it's staying the same mathematically. But you say it in a different way, sometimes reveals to you what you're not seeing the first time you read it. So, Philippians 127, how about this? It says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Conversation is another one of those words that is changed has grown in our definition. It literally means citizenship. It's to be, be and to behave like a citizen. So let your citizenship in the body of Christ be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. It's your manner of life. And that, that's what it is. You're letting go of the world's manner of life and you're, doing, you're becoming God's manner of life, which also includes your conversation because the words that are coming out of your mouth are the words that you're putting in to your heart, so you're going to be conversing about the things of God. Check your words. I don't mean like religiously control your words. That's not what I mean. I mean, listen to what you're saying on a daily basis, what you're talking about. That's what you're spending your time doing. 
Jake should be talking about baseball because baseball is his profession. But more than baseball, he's talking about the Word of God. That's the way it should be in all of us all the time. Yes, we talk about the things we have to do, we actually do. But your conversation, the words coming out of your mouth are going to reflect what's in, you, in your heart. Check yourself and see. You could record yourself 24-7, really. And if what you're saying isn't what you want to be saying, then you need to change what's going in. And, and this is the part where I was going to talk about Seth, iron sharpens iron, right? As you continue to talk about the deeper things of God, you're going to get the deeper things inside you, but you also need people. We are not meant for isolation. God didn't create us to be isolated people. If you are isolating yourselves, which we've seen time and time again here, that if someone gets offended, they isolate themselves, and the best way to isolate yourself is to start backing up row after row after row until you can run for the door. That isolation is demonic. That isolation is the same thing that lions, when they hunt a zebra, they're going to find the weak zebra and peel it off from the herd, right? They're not going to go after the strong ones. They're not going to go after the whole herd. They're going to find the easy pickings. That's, that's the way it always works. That's the way Satan works too. He doesn't go after the whole. He goes after individual people, and he's trying all the time. He has no ability to defeat us. We are seated in heavenly places, and we, we wrestle with the principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and, and spiritual wickedness in high places. But all of those high places are underneath the place we are. So we have no need to fear, but we do need to be aware of what he's trying to do and situationally aware of what he's trying to do in the people around us. If you see something, say something, right? Is a, that's a mantra now. But really, if you see someone starting to back away, starting to isolate themselves, and circumstances can sometimes make that happen. Sometimes you find yourself in a situation you don't want to be in, and people you've been around had isolated themselves from you. If you see someone being isolated, go after them. Don't let them just slip away. I think we could do a whole lot better in that than what we've done. I know there are people that have pressed in, and if somebody's offended... Not necessarily anything you can do, but you can try. You need people to team up with, and not, not forced to team up with, but pray it out. Ask the Holy Ghost. If you are in need of a friend, if you are in need of partners, pray it out. God will lead us. Get involved with the Grace Bible Fellowship. Get involved. If you're a man, every man in here, I get it not wanting necessarily to go every Sunday night with those books in particular, I've been one who's been like a little resistant. But you know what? We need that unification as the men of the body of Christ. We need it as the men of the body of grace. And if you are not showing up, you're doing two things. One is you're putting yourself above the body. And two, you are intentionally isolating yourself from a possible revelation you could bring to somebody who needs it. TJ is going to need revelation sometime, and you have to be the one to bring that revelation to him. If you don't show up, he's not going to get it. So, you know, I have Melanie, and we have deep, intimate, spiritual conversations pretty much all the time. But I also have Seth and Jake, and Kelsey comes over on Sunday nights, and we have other members of the body of Christ. I have my entire music team. There, there's the depth of that. Find your team. They're there for you. And even if you feel like you're isolated right now, they're here for you. Press in. So back to worship. Half of this is not 
in notes at all. Is that the way this works? What worship really is, is soaking in the presence of God the Father. So when we are singing, are you singing to someone who's actually listening? Or are you just making noise? Are you just singing words? Are you building yourself up? Or are you singing your worship to God? That's why I'm always changing words. We're always changing words. Anytime we say Him, I want to say you. I don't want it to be, let's talk about God. We don't, we don't have that relationship. David could talk about God all he wanted. He could worship directly to God too. But you could talk all, all about God you want. Why? Why would you spend your time talking about him when you can talk directly to him? Now, out there in the world where people don't know him, talk about him. Talk about the goodness of God. And you can, you can also sing about the goodness of God. But when you, when you sing directly to him, it, there's a place, there's a depth of worship that you can get to that you can't ever get to when you're just singing about. It's because it's inside out. About is almost outside in. It's the inside out worship. It's that deep, intimate heartfelt connection directly to God. Is he worth loving? Or is he just some, if, if you don't have any intimacy with him, you're not going to know. You're just going to know some stats about God, and that's not going to get you anything. Is he worth loving? And then why do you love him? If you love God, why? What is it? What, what ministers to you? What growing up out of your heart? And I'm not There's some things that hinder worship. I'm not talking about circumstances because circumstances can only hinder what you let them hinder, right? I'm talking about the stuff inside of people, inside of each one of us that could hinder us. And really, in the context of what we're talking about is corporate worship. I think there are two major hindrances. Uh, I think there are a bunch of minor ones as well. But the two major hindrances are a lack of expectation and arrogance. And I want to talk about arrogance first. We have a whole lot of knowledge in this body, which is awesome. And we should continually be pressed in for more and more and more and more knowledge. But that knowledge should never lead to us becoming judgmental. Now, we can judge things, but not be judgmental of things. If we, are, if we press in towards judgment, when we see a new song, uh, band and singers and Terry, we will sing the new song here. When you see a new song, you have the option of, it's new, right? So you're, you're, you're not going to know it by just looking at it, but you can look up at the new song and say, okay, I want to hear what this is, what God has for me, what I can give to God through this worship. Or you can look at it and go, eh, that word isn't quite right. Eh, I don't think I don't think we should say that because this and this and this. Should we get doctrinally correct? Yes. Should we change? We do change words all the time to get them doctrinally correct. But should we change a word that we didn't find that anywhere in the Bible, so technically we can't say that word? Or is it the raw, open, wild, going after the heart of God? Corey Asbury has a song called Reckless Love. It's the reckless love of God. And we tried this, and I was wrong. I'll say that to everybody here. We tried this, and saying, it's saying that God comes after me with reckless abandon. And if you hear that word, reckless, you're like, God's not out of control. God's not reckless. He's not a reckless driver. It sounds like a wrong word. 
it really, it re- God's not reckless, right? But when you hear what came out of Corey's heart, which is he didn't care about himself. Jesus came down not caring so much about himself that he subjected himself to death on a cross for me. That's how reckless that would appear. It sounds like a wrong word, so we tried to change it to selfless love. And selfless is the same thing. It doesn't have that passion, the passion of the abandon of what God did for us. I'm not saying we're going to sing this song. I'm saying there are words out there that rose up in people's hearts straight from God. And if we are judging what's coming up, we're eliminating the ability for us to receive that thing from God that we don't have. We have good knowledge. We don't have all the knowledge. We're nowhere near all the knowledge. And we continue to press in. There are a lot of people out there pressing in in worship. There are, there's Bethel, there's Upper Room, there's a group called People in Songs, and those are just three off the top of my head. Those are three I listen to regularly. There are lots of people out there worshiping hard. There's, a, there's a, another church that our niece goes to in town where they worship hard once a month on Friday nights. We should have that same passion here, and us judging is going to hinder us from having that passion. So don't. Just stop it right now. If you're doing it, stop. Choose not to. The other thing is a lack of expectation. If we roll into corporate worship at 1015, because we don't really like the singing, or we don't really like the music, or it's not the kind of singing that we want, or we know that the pastors aren't going to be there until 1030, so we still are well in our place before they arrive. If we're doing any of that, and I'm not saying any of us are, and I'm not saying being late is because you're doing those things. There are sometimes people have a brand new baby, and brand new babies are bundles of joy, but they're also, (laughs) yes, unpredictable, she said. There are things that, that come up even if you don't have a new baby. I get it. But if you're routinely rolling in late, you are not expecting anything out of worship. And we all see you. Everybody up here on the platform looks and goes, wow, during the middle of that first song, we went from 10% full to 70% full. Interesting. I've been up here for 15 years, and I know that what we've produced on the stage has not always been that great. I don't necessarily mean musically. That's also been true. But, I mean, there are a lot of times we've gone through emotions or we've never reached the depths of worship, and it's just music. I get it if you didn't want to be in here for that. It's wrong, but I get it. If you're going to not expect anything, it's just as good for you to stay in the lobby until praise and worship's done. If you're hungry for the things of God, you're not late to the table. We're not like what we were. We're not just songs strung together anymore. I don't know if you've sensed it yet, but we've stepped into a deeper place of worship this year. And it's not going to stop. We barely scratched the surface, barely scratched the surface of the deep things of God, the things God has for us in worship. And we're going to go deeper and deeper into the riches of worship and to experience the goodness of God. Show up on time. Not 10.05, not hanging out in the lobby until you hear the singing start. If you're hungry for the things of God, you'll show up on time. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to leave it there. I've changed it. 
Expect God to do something during worship. It's not just showing up. Expect him. When you come in expecting, when you have a need, when you have a need in your heart, and you say, God, I, I need your help, and you're expecting him to do something. And Pastor Cheryl comes over and ministers directly the thing you needed on his, your first Sunday, right? Very first Sunday, Kirk was here. He had specific questions, and the Holy Ghost, through Pastor Cheryl, directly addressed the things he needed. She didn't know. It, it wasn't her. It was the Holy Ghost. That same thing can happen in worship. If you show up expecting freedom in worship, you, if you show up expecting to be set free, to be, <laughs> you're already set free, you're already healed, you already have all these things, it's mental hindrances more than anything else. It's yours already. You already have it. You don't even need to, you don't even need to receive it. You already received it. You already have all of it. What you need to do is get your brain out of the way and know what's actually yours already in the, it's what's true. It's already yours. Receiving is what you did when you said, yes, I want Jesus. You got the Holy Ghost the moment you were saved. You could have been spirit-filled that same second. You had to get out of the way and get the full revelation of what the Holy Ghost is in you. And, and you're not going to make it very far without being spirit-filled. I think we all are in here. I'm looking at everybody. But your friends aren't. And we have to, we have to normalize the spirit-filled Christian life. You can't be afraid of saying, oh, no, I speak in tongues. You can't hold that back because if you're like, well, I do this weird thing called speaking in tongues, people are going to think it's this weird thing. If you say, no, this is, this is what Paul did, why is it any different that I do it? If you are pressing in, normalizing, if you're normalizing the deep things of God, people might think you're weird for a second, but they're not going to continue to think you're weird unless you're actually weird. <laughs> if you continue to just say, is it back to that conversation? If what's coming out of your mouth is, is um. I'm Holy Ghost filled. I'm spirit filled. I pray in tongues. And when, when I do, this is what's revealed to me. And this is what God revealed to me about you to set you free directly. Pray for people. Pray for revelation. You have coworkers. You have friends. The church we went to in Pennsylvania before we moved down here, our pastor's son was, I think, being mocked for being wooey spiritual by someone in specifically at his school. And he was you know, in high school at the time. He was praying out, and he was like, I don't, I don't want to be mocked anymore. I want to do something deeper. I want, I want to help this person who's mocking me. And the Holy Ghost revealed to him something, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. I'm not sure what it was exactly. But that the guy came up to our pastor's son and was mocking him again. He was like, what, what's God say about me? And got in his face, and the pastor's son said, well, actually... And said something that set that guy free. If we are hungry for the things of God, if we're living a life of worship, and this is about worship, if we're living a life of worship, if we're living a life of constant intimacy and communion with the Holy Ghost, with God the Father, with Jesus, then these things rise up in us. Expect them. Live a life of spiritual expectation. Show up early, show up expecting, and stop caring what people think. Literally, stop caring what anybody thinks. Because we know no man after the flesh. Who cares? 
Like, literally, who cares if you're rolling around on the floor or if you're standing still? It's the intimacy inside. We're not going to judge you. And if you are judging, you know, come see me. I'll fix that. We're not going to judge you. Don't be afraid to press in to worship and get that freedom that's already yours. When you're at home worshiping, when you're by yourself, don't rush in and out of things. Whatever it is that you think is pressing isn't. It's really no big deal. Whatever it is is really no big deal. We walked through a bunch of stuff in the last year. None of it's a big deal. It really isn't. It sounds like it. It sounds when you when you face some sort of diagnosis or when you face some sort of financial crisis or when you face whatever it is. It's really no big deal. This is a blip of a life in the grand scheme of eternity. And the entire lifetime is a blip. This minute, this day, this payment that needs to be done today, this appointment that you need to go see a doctor on, it's the blip of the blip. It really doesn't matter. What matters is intimacy with God. So whatever it is, it's not that pressing. I think Kenneth Copeland talked about the low slow, which is an awesome, awesome idea. Somebody came to him panicking about some, I think somebody went into the hospital and it was like, oh, dire diagnosis. And he slowly finished his breakfast. And he said, I'm not going to worry. Jesus didn't worry when Lazarus went to the grave. He didn't hurry. He was four days. He knew about it for four days. He knew about it. He didn't run to go see him right away. He took his time. There's no, there's no reason to rush through it. And there's no reason to rush into or out of worship. And the same thing with the song. You know, I don't, I don't want to rush. It's a little bit more difficult because there is a time frame, and we're not going to keep everybody here all day long, but we're, we're going to spend time more and more so. This is coming more and more so. Just be ready. Spend time in between the lyrics. Spend time actually intimately worshiping God. The same thing should be done at home. It takes hunger. It takes commitment. And it takes waiting Brother Hagen talked about that they used to have, wait, I don't know if they called them waiting services, something like that, basically, where sometimes the church would just get together and sit quietly and just expecting things of God. And then suddenly somebody would get a word from God or rise up or a song would happen or people would break out and dance. But it was intimately waiting, quietly waiting for the things of God not rushing. We live accelerated lives, and we continually fill up our lives full of information, and it's not conducive to a life, lifestyle of waiting, but waiting can still be learned and practiced. I would suggest while you're at home, if you aren't already doing this, spend some actual time worshiping. It works daily, but spend some actually time, actual time worshiping. A lot of people find it nice to have some good music to undergird that. We won't talk about exciting blast you out of the air music, but something something to sit underneath the time of worship and give kind of a structure to it. Something that ministers to you, though. Don't, don't just take my word for it. And lifts you up. You can sing along with it, or maybe you don't even have words, um, but just gives you kind of continuity. Um, and then put away everything distracting. And that means, you know, like cell phones and mental lists. Those are the two big things, I think. 
stop worrying about your plans. The lawn will get mowed. You're okay. Take your time in worship. Worship has to become a way of life. It's not a hat you put on, and it's not like going to the gym. You don't just show up a few times a day it, or a few times a week. It's all the time living in a state of worship. And when you do that, you're going to be set free. He's going to reveal things to you. Uh, there are things that God reveals to us that he, God wants to talk to us all the time, and he does a whole lot of talking, I think. Not all the time. There's sometimes in the waiting where maybe <laughs> just spend some time with him. But there are things he wants to reveal to us and direction he wants to lead us. Uh, Cheryl has several examples of of spending time praising, praying, reading her word, and God saying, you know, go to this particular store and ministering to that person or, or drive down this particular road and ministering to people, being led by the Spirit. That doesn't, you don't get that by 15 minutes of reading the Bible and singing a couple of choruses and going on with your day. You get that by spending time in the Word. And you all have more time than you know. We all have way more time. Every one of us is wasting time somehow, right? I mean, you want to pretend you're not, but we are. Even if you're really busy, you can find some time. But if you're doing it 24-7, while you're doing everything else, too, you're never wasting any of that time. So, in conclusion, and I'll open this up for you here, we need to make worship a way of life. So, I know that one part of what I want to share today, it was inspired by the Holy Ghost because it was such a bizarre article that um, my paths crossed, but I want to just throw out another, a couple of two cents. So, one thing that I've been encouraging the boys for is for years, because of their age, I'm constantly asking the Holy Spirit, how can I get them to connect relevantly with what we're doing without it being a command over their head? They need to have a purpose. So one thing for years is because they've had a relationship with the Philbrick family and they've played with both Anna and Marta and have intimate relationships with them. And, and one thing I have to say publicly is thank you for not just performing. It's obvious to me, I hope it is to everyone else, you girls are singing from your, you're delivering a personal um your personal worship to the Lord in our presence. It's not like American Idol, or, we don't have television, whatever those singing programs all are, those worldly singing programs, they're professional performers. I've gone to see professional singers before, and that's why they get paid the big bucks, because they're not just hitting the note. They're delivering a song. They're getting paid to do, to do it, but you guys don't do that. You're connecting in your spirit, and I want to say thank you for that. But going back to my original point, one thing that we've encouraged the boys for years, and, and sometimes if you see me whispering to them during the service, a consistent thing I've said to them, and I think I even said it to Joel this morning, sweetheart, do you think Marta can thank God on your behalf? Marta's doing it. You can see Marta worshiping God. Is it all right if Matt or Marta or Anna are doing your worshiping? Or is doing your singing, you know, we don't want to use that word singing because it really should be worship as the sermon, as the lesson was today. It's supposed to be an, an inward thing. So that's one thing we've been talking to the boys about is 
they can't do this for us. And so you skirted it, but I don't think you actually said it. The level of anointing on a particular worship service should be irrelevant to us. Let me say it one more time. The level of anointing on the songs that have been chosen and the delivery of those songs shouldn't actually be irrelevant to us. It's another way of saying, well, yeah, Leonard wasn't here, and so that was really kind of, it sounded a little clunky, and I just couldn't get into it. No, absolutely not. So I appreciate Matt's honesty in saying, we're still growing, and as a team, we're pressing in for deeper things. But, but Matthew, the truth of the matter is, we as individuals should be completely pressing in, whether they hit, whether y'all hit a wrong note, whether the start was, oh, well, I thought it was on this beat and it was on that beat. It's irrelevant. And, and you did, you did talk a little bit about that, about don't let the natural things be a deterrent to our overall purpose. Another maybe line for us to keep in our really center point of our vision is I want everyone to just take one moment and I want you to fill in the blank. What is the most incredible gift that you have ever been given in your life? Now it could have been a, a group gift, it could have been a single gift, but it needs to be something physical, actually, substance that someone has given to you in your life. I have mine. Okay. As amazing as that one gift that you received, was saying thank you one time enough for the person that gave that to you? Now, in comparison, I understand this is a worldly gift that you were given. In comparison of your thankfulness, of your gratefulness, of that thing that you received, Compare that to the gift of Jesus Christ. It's true. Our worship with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit throughout eternity won't be enough time to thank him. So how I see this corporate time of worship is an opportunity, as Matt said, we should be doing this at home individually, but it's a time for this local body assembled to give thanksgiving to God for what he's doing, not just in my, I mean, six days a week, it's not just, but those are the times I'm thankful. But then when we're here and I see members of the body, you know, Anne and just many people, Leonard, every time, every time I look at Leonard, I'm like, thank God for the anointing. Thank God for the anointing. God, you are so good. So when, if we assemble up here closer to the, the platform and I, I see your faces together, it's an opportunity for my mind to remind me of the goodness of God in, in every single one of every single one of us have something that I have in our past of your life that I know God showed up strong that I just know that's just the things I know of so the time that we spend in worship is about rehearsing for us what God has done for us so 
it was either last night or this morning, I saw a news feed from Men's Health on Facebook, and it was a tweet, I think, or something, Instagram, that Chris Pratt did. And do I ever read those? <clears throat> like, maybe one time in a hundred. I was drawn to read this. And as Matt was ministering this morning, I said, wow. So how do we do what he's talking about, what Matt instructed us? Because there's times you don't feel like worshiping. So this is what the synopsis, apparently they, okay, so anyway. Does everybody know who Chris Pratt is? He's an actor. He was large and lost a tremendous amount of weight, and it became very, very cut, okay? And he had been large for a large part of a good part of his life. So he wasn't a skinny mini and then put on a bunch of muscle for some of his acting roles, and, and he prof professes to be a Christian. I don't know. It would seem so, um, and, but because of some things he does in his life. So Chris Pratt spoke about how sometimes the motivation doesn't always necessarily come first. He's talking about his workouts. About 38 minutes, this is his direct quote, whatever he posted or tweeted or whatever he did. He said, about 30 min 38 minutes in, it clicked in my mind that I actually wanted to be there. So he was talking about how does he get the motivation to, to do his workouts, to do what he wants to do. Apparently, he's got a back injury. Not a, I don't think it's significant, but he's got a back injury. And all he's doing right now is treadmill work. And uh, it was 38 minutes into his workout where he realized he really, really wanted to be there. He said, which is to say that you can make that decision to go motivate yourself and do the work, but sometimes the work comes first. Sometimes you start the work when you don't want to do it, and then the want comes after the physical. You can get stuck in a hole when you just don't want to do the workout, and you never do. Day becomes week, week becomes month, and month becomes year, and year becomes years and you don't feel good about it. So I challenge you, if you're in that state where you don't want to do it, go find the want. Once you get in it and you feel it, your whole day is different. It's kind of interesting that he ended it with Proverbs 27:17, on the theme of motivating each other, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So the point of this illustration is, just as those of us have worked out before, sometimes you get in that groove and you're thriving on the adrenaline from the previous workout, and then it's possible you might get an injury or something and slack off, and then it really takes, it's almost like double the effort to get back in there, right, Kirk, and start that, start that cycle again. There have been times in my past I had no desire I shouldn't say no. I had minimal desire to dig into the Word. Just as Matt said, having focus on reviewing the movies, and then all of a sudden that wanes, and there's more emphasis on the spiritual. There's more emphasis in pushing into that intimate relationship. So if you're not hot, how do you get there? Just do it. Just start. Start in the natural Start worshiping. Start reading your Bible. And the more you press in, it becomes a self-feeding passion that it continues to grow. And it's no longer you pressing in from the outside. It's on the inside. And I want to say, that's why I needed to correct that. It isn't that I've 
that there has been a zero baseline. Our focus in passion, even when we feel like we're at zero, okay, I can say it that way, it's there because all of us already have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So it's already there, it just has to be stoked. How do we do that? As Matt said, start rehearsing to ourselves who God is to us, not about God, who he is. That's the first note. That's the first step. Amen? Amen. I expect, I expect individually and I expect corporately for us to continue to grow in this because I do not believe, I believe this is in step with where Grace Christian Center is right now. This is in step. If this would have been delayed, I think we would have been, and if this would have been ahead of pastor's ministry, the revelation, I think it would have been, but I believe we are in step. And this is, this is the next call for us. Years ago, the Holy Spirit said to Pastor Philip, he saw us ascending and that there was a door, a doorway open for Grace Christian Center, a platform, that was the word, that there was raised steps to a platform and so I rehearse that to myself often that we will go as one and accomplish what God has called us to do. I've been inspired to say one other thing. So as Matt instructed, press in to being bold about being filled with the Spirit. And I'll say it like this. When we have the revelation, so I was with a person that doesn't come to the church yesterday. And as we were talking about things, the comment was made, we were talking about spiritual things. We were talking about different revelation from the Bible. And the comment was made, no one's ever talked to me about it like that. And I've never seen it like that. And they said, but one thing I can say is you, and I wasn't speaking dogmatically, okay? I was just presenting some revelation from the word of God, basically trying to address you know, the hurricane coming, that it's not God sending the hurricane on Florida or New Orleans. I mean, I went back to the New Orleans, and they said, I had a friend that actually said that to me, and they said, I don't know much about the Bible to be able to even, but, but of course, I explained the truth of natural disasters in the earth, that Satan is the God of this world, and those things happen, and, and they said, wow, I've never heard anyone say it to me like that. So, in our relationships, the more we have knowledge of God, his nature, his purpose, who we are in Christ, and I would say that beyond anything else, who we are in Christ and how we're supposed to be living victorious, the more we share those things with people, they're going to know there's something different about us. Versus leading with the, by the way, did you know I pray in tongues? And I'm not saying hide that information, but the interesting thing is the more you really talk about God and who he is and, and our relationship with him, they know. But how do you get that? You pray in the spirit over the word. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. And then we can share with others the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. Singers and band, y'all can get up and we'll go up. Uh, we're going to worship here at the end. I, I do want to say, Pastor Jennifer made me think of this as well, that it is irrelevant if we're doing the notes right. It's also irrelevant if you're singing the notes right. Literally doesn't matter at all. For my money, I'll take somebody who can't hit a single note 
the way that's supposed to be hit, whose heart is for God over someone who does, does everything perfectly and shapes everything right and is saying, look at me. That's irrelevant. If you are um, concerned about the way you sound, that equals look at me. It's the same thing. Don't be concerned. Don't think about, don't think about the notes you're making. If you sing boldly for God, take a page out of Jim and Lucy's book. Watch how boldly they go after the things of God. Do that. Don't, don't hold back. It's not going to do you any good. Hallelujah. Michael, go ahead. I just wanted to share this also because of the physical setup that we have here in most churches is y'all are out here looking this way at us looking at you. And so we can become the focal point up here. And although we're supposed to be demonstrating, it's not us, it's God. And the reason why I say that is we are worshiping God corporately. We're not worshiping God and then you guys are like trying to get on board with it. We're the body of Christ. So we are worshiping God. So when you come in 15 minutes late, you're not bringing your supply. There's a disti- when, when Jennifer said there's a distinct difference. Let me say it this way. <laughs> if you want that to be better, then bring your supply. Because I will tell you, I know, and Matt knows, and everybody up here knows. We all know. We're there. I know. It's got nothing to do with how you look. It has everything to do with we can sense, I know, whether y'all are in it or not. Period. Just as much as I know that my ankle is healthy, or my ankle is strong, or my knee is doing its job. If you went for a run and your knee stopped working, you would know it. Because <laughs> you'd fall on your face. We, we know. We're all connected. We are all completely intertwined. I kind of wish sometimes we could come down and be in the back and not be up there and be behind you and see how worship goes. Because there's a lot of passivity expecting us to be doing the heavy lifting. And, and I don't say that disparaging. I'm just saying that's how church has been set up. The worship team is worshiping. That's their job. It's not our job. There's no difference in our role and your role in lifting the piano. The, the arms and the legs and the hands and every, everything's working together. The brain is sending the signals. The legs are lifting. The back is, everything is doing its job collectively. So when we come in here and we all think we're going to, and I don't want to relate to a job, but it does take effort and participation. And it takes spiritual sensitivity. It takes having a revelation knowledge. But I think sometimes we get lulled into this idea, well, that's their job. It's not our job. We, and there's really no level of importance between Leonard and somebody in the back who's worshiping that nobody can hear. There's no difference in the level of importance. And that person, Cheryl, is in the back when she's got greeting duties. She's in the back. I can see her out there, up there. She's probably demonstrating them more than people that are up here. I mean... And I, I know what's going She's drawing upon the anointing, and she's also supernaturally providing something. And it, it's like having a ba- an additional battery or power source hooked up to what is going on here. So if there's 100 batteries and there's only 17 that are hooked up, we know it. I know it. 
And it, it has got nothing to do with Michael at all. It has to do with I can sense and know independently of myself the anointing of God is greater or lesser depending on whether y'all are bringing your supply. Don't think about it being separate. Think about it that you're just as equal to a musician. There's no difference between you and a musician. There's no difference between you and anybody else that's participating in the corporate body of Christ's worship. You're integral, you're important, you have to bring your supplies, so please do. Praise God. So, we're going to worship. We're going to spend a few minutes here. You can get up, you can sit down, you can walk to the back corner of the room. Whatever you do, stay connected, get connected. Get a hold of it. We're not, I, don't, I don't care about the flesh. I don't care about the way anything looks. And what Michael was just saying has nothing to do with the way you look. It has everything to do with if you're connected or not. So where, wherever you are in the room, on the track, out in the lobby, I don't care. Just get connected. <laughs>